my hope and my prayer is that over the last two Sundays, as we have spent time in this sermon series, us cultivating the life of the Spirit in our families, that you've been encouraged, that you've been challenged, that if you're a mom and dad with a brood of kids under your feet, you have some marching orders, you have some prophetic direction, you have some hope that God's working in your family. If you're a single person, you feel encouraged, you feel connected, you feel a part of what God is doing in this family we call sanctuary. If you're an empty nester, if you're a grandparent, whatever station in life you find yourself, God has placed all of us in a home that is his family and his church. And that's been our desire, to lift you up, to encourage you, and to cast a vision for a different way of being family. Because, after all, we serve a God who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. This morning, we're going to be wrapping up this series. And the reason I'm up here is because I want to introduce our speaker. And it's not me. And nobody said amen. Everybody said, oh, man. But I have good news for you. There's a better speaker than me in the house this morning. And she has a master's degree in theology from Oral Roberts University. But what's more important than all of the education is the fact that she serves our families by leading our children's ministry here at Sanctuary, Sanctuary so faithfully. And I thought it was appropriate to bring her to the pulpit this morning so that you could connect with somebody who, as Pastor Janice pointed out, is leading a third of our congregation every Sunday. And we should be grateful for the wonderful things that God is doing through all of the Sanctuary Kids team and that entire ministry. And so even though it might be a little bit unsanctuary of us, could we maybe just put our hands together and welcome Shelby Swanson, Pastor Shelby, as she comes. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, good morning, Sanctuary. Um, yes, I come representing the third, this thing's really tall, because this is made for tall people, obviously. Anyways, um, so I come representing the third of the congregation that is on the other side of the building, and they're like this tall to this tall, this tall, this tall, and they are amazing. So um, I'm really excited to be speaking with you guys this morning. This is actually my first time actually preaching a sermon in what I like to call big church. Um, so hello, big church. I come from small church. Um, it's nice to be here. Um, a lot of people have been asking me like, oh, how are you feeling? Are you nervous? And I kind of laugh because if you have a kid or you know a kid, kids actually are really harsh critics and they have no filter. So usually when I'm speaking, I'm getting things like, hey, this is really boring. I would like a snack. Like, can I go to my mom now? And one time, one of your precious angels who I love and adore actually got out of their seat, proceeded to get into fetal position, rocked back and forth with their hands over the ears, screaming, please stop talking, please stop talking. So I'm not nervous because I figure this is probably going to go better than that day. But I know some of you guys that I know are probably getting funny ideas. So nobody get out of your seat and start yelling at me, please. That's all I ask. So anyways... 
Um, I'm here to close out our Us series. We've been talking a lot the last couple weeks um, about what our roles are as adults in our family, um, what the role of the family in general is, and I'm going to talk today about what the role of children in our family is, both in our homes, in our personal lives, and most importantly, in this great kingdom of God. So um, when we talk about the family of God, I am a very whimsy person. If you know me, I love Disney World. I love Mickey Mouse and everything magical. Um, And so I like to refer to it as the kingdom of God. And I like to think of it as like this amazing, wonderful kingdom where we serve this miraculous, merciful, good, sweet and kind God. And we are his royal subjects that get to be in different communities. So I'll refer to sanctuary as like our own little castle within this kingdom. And we get to have special jobs and special responsibilities and special gifts that make us unique to serve the king of this great kingdom. So you'll hear me use the words or the term family of God and kingdom of God kind of interchangeably. So just so you know, kind of where my mind goes when I think of that and talk about that. Um, So in culture and kind of in history, and even today, children have been viewed as somewhat less than adults. And um, whether it be in ancient times when children were literally viewed as not quite human, but future humans or potential humans, you even have like uh, the Roman culture would have uh, children killed if they were not uh, male because females couldn't build roads. They couldn't build buildings. They couldn't build coliseums. So why do we need them? We need males. We need people that can work, that can contribute to our society in the future. So you had this mindset that children were valuable, but really just for what they would contribute later on. Um, even in church cultures and religious cultures that v- deeply value and see children as completely precious gifts of God, we still fail in that we view them as future adults. The general view of children, even good-heartedly, is kind of, oh, well, children are our future, and they are our future, but that's not all that they are. We often view children um, in our religion, in religions especially, that when they're old enough, wise enough, when they've been taught the right things, when they've done their studies, they've completed their requirements, then they'll be considered members of our faith. But until then, we're gonna teach them in the way that they're going to someday go, hopefully, right? Um, so like I said, these things are all good-hearted, but we kind, of, we kind of get them a little bit twisted. When I was in school um, studying uh, Christian education, my professor had a, a term for this kind of way of thinking that was called the big jug, little mug way of thinking. And it's that children are these little empty mugs and us big, wise, well uh, studied, you know, learned and experienced adults are going to take all of our wisdom in our big jug and we're going to pour it into the little mug so then they will know and then they'll be ready to be sent off as Christians. Um, So what I want to ask this morning is, what does scripture say about this? How does God view children? There are tons and tons of scriptures um, about children in the Bible, about God using children, but I want to bring out just a few that are not only some of the most popular and probably well-known, but some of the most redundant. Um, As we know, we have four gospels, right? Well, there's a few stories that get shared in all of them, and one of them is the story of Jesus blessing the children. Um, So we're going to start with Matthew 18.2. 
It says, he called a child, Jesus, that is, is the he, whom he put among them and said, truly, I tell you, unless you change and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever becomes humble like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. And then in verse 10, it says, uh, take care that you do not despise one of these little ones. For I tell you, in heaven, their angels continually see the face of my Father in heaven. And then in Mark 9.33, it says, that, that, uh, in this, just to preface this a little bit, um, this passage is coming after some traveling that Jesus was doing with the disciples. And the disciples had been uh, speaking and arguing about something very, very important. Um, so it says they came to Capernaum and when uh, he was in the house, he asked them, what were you arguing about on the way? But they were silent for on the way they had argued with one another who was the greatest. I can't help but see myself, I, most of you maybe know that I coach volleyball, and I feel like this week I had some moments like this with my players where I was like, oh, what are you guys talking about over there? And they're like, Sigh. I was like, I, everybody, we're going to sit down. We're talking about priorities right now. So he sits them down, he calls the 12, and he says to them, whoever wants to be first must be the last and servant of all. Then he took a little child, and as I said before, in this time, children were not viewed as very valuable unless you had grown up in a very religious uh, kind of home or uh, lifestyle uh, in, in your life. So he took the little child and put it among them and taking it in his arms, he said to them, whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me and whoever welcomes me welcomes not me, but the one who sent me. And finally, again, in Mark 10, 13, it states, people were bringing little children to him in order that he might touch them. And the disciples spoke sternly to them. But when Jesus saw this, he was indignant. And he said to them, let the little children come to me. Do not stop them, for it is to such as these that the kingdom of God belongs. Truly, I tell you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will never enter it. And he took them up in his arms and he laid hands on them and he blessed them. So pretty plain and simple from the mouth of Jesus, we need to be like little children. We need to welcome them, that they are the ones that the kingdom of God belongs to. Finally, I want to share um, one of my favorite Bible stories. And for the sake of time, I decided to summarize it. Um, this is the story of when the Lord calls Samuel as a boy. So we know this story. Samuel is a, a boy that was a gift to his mother. And his mother, upon having Samuel, had promised the Lord that if he gave her a, a child, that she would dedicate this child to his work and to the work of his kingdom. So Samuel is growing up learning from a man named Eli, learning how to be a minister and how to minister um, and grow God's kingdom. Um, now, this wasn't just happening in a normal time. This was happening in a time that the scripture says that God's voice was rarely heard and that there were no visions in the land. So all of Israel is just not hearing God, not seeing him. Um, his, his chosen people, he's not speaking to them. So one night during this time, Samuel hears Eli calling him, Samuel, Samuel. So Eli gets up, he runs into, or sorry, Samuel gets up, he runs into Eli and he says, Eli, hey, I'm here, you called me. And Eli's like, I did not call you. Go back to bed, little boy. So he goes back to bed and then he wakes up again, Samuel, Samuel, right? So this keeps happening and Eli's like, no, I didn't call you, I didn't call you. And eventually Eli realizes now 
this is, I just thought this was funny. This is probably complete blasphemy, but I kind of had myself a little chuckle imagining like, what if Eli didn't actually think that God called him and he just really wanted Samuel to go back to bed and stop bugging him. And so he was like, next time. So what he says is next time, you know, I think it's the Lord. And he probably really did believe it was the Lord, but I just thought it was funny because I was imagining, you know, I know many people with children and it sounded, I was like, oh, that's something my friend might say to her kid to try to get her to go back to sleep. <laughs> Anyways, I'm not saying that's the truth. I just thought it was funny. That's all. Anyways, so he tells Samuel very seriously because he knows it's God for real. And he says, you need to go back to bed. And the next time you hear the voice, you say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. So of course, Samuel goes back to bed. And then he hears the voice, Samuel, Samuel. And he wakes up and he says, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. And God speaks to him. And he doesn't just speak to him and say, Samuel, someday you're going to be a great prophet. Someday you're going to do great things for my kingdom. No, he speaks to him and he, tell, he drops some serious bombs on Samuel about what is going on with Eli, his family, and what's to come for the whole nation. So in a time that God was speaking to no one, he speaks to a child. And he doesn't just say, someday you're going to do great things. The scripture ends in this way. It says, the Lord was with Samuel as he grew up, and he let none of Samuel's words fall to the ground. And all Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, recognized that Samuel was attested as a prophet of the Lord. The Lord continued to appear at Shiloh, and there he revealed himself to Samuel through his word. So not only did he set Samuel up to be a prophet in his uh, adulthood, he spoke to him in a time that God was speaking to no one. And everyone in the country knew that Samuel was a prophet of God, and he was with him all of those years. So what are these scriptures telling us? I mean, it's, pr it's pretty obvious, right? First of all, the kingdom of God belongs to children. It belongs to them. Second, we must become like little children. We must be like children to be a part of the kingdom of God. And finally, children are used by God today. They are acting member, active members of our faith right now, today. So even though these are stories that we hear over and over and over, it's for some reason accepted and we allow ourselves to say, you know, I don't really like kids. I don't, I don't feel like that's really my gift, you know? And maybe, maybe your gift is with different groups of people. But I mean, Jesus is saying it, guys. It's not me. It's Jesus. So we're going to listen to him. <laughs> Anyways, it's, it really is funny when we say these things. But plain and simple, children are just as much participants in our faith as you are or I am. They are members of this body as much as anyone else. It's not a hierarchy where it goes children and then youth and then young adults and then adults and then the elderly. And I imagined this while I was kind of planning my sermon and I was thinking like, oh yeah, there's this hierarchy, but what do I know about God's kingdom? And what do we know about God's kingdom? Is that compared to what everyone else thinks, what is it? It's upside down, right? And so when you have this hierarchy in our world and in our mindsets, we can know for sure it's probably the opposite of whatever we're thinking because that's how God's kingdom works. So I could finish this going on and on about this topic, but it's pretty obvious, right? Children 
are the kingdom of God. They are members of this family and are as important, if not more important and more used by God than the rest of us lowly adults. So I'm gonna shift a little bit um, and I'm gonna turn to what's actually our one of the lectionary texts for this morning. Um, it's uh, out of James 1, 17 through 27. We're gonna be kind of reshifting our focus on what, if now knowing this, what all of our roles is, what are we to do? Um, it starts, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of, of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth, that we might be a kind of first fruits of all that he created. Now, this is something, ironically enough, that I really harp on with our kids, is that all good things come from God, and that we are called to be the first fruits, which means we're called to be the product of the goodness of God, or the reflection of the goodness of the world that God's created. So why are we here? Each of us is made to be reflections of God's goodness. My, then it goes on. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and then after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Finally, those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves and their religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. So with this scripture in mind, I want to go on to talk about kind of what we do on the other side of the building every week. So each week, Pretty simply, we get all the school-age kids together. They're in a big classroom. We share in worship together. We open up kind of our topic for the day. Um, during this time, we do grace and peace together. We recite the creed, and we close our large group time saying the Lord's Prayer. So we're doing the same stuff you guys are doing mostly, and often are going over the same, learning the same scriptures and the same topics from the lectionary that we're uh, going through in this uh, in this room. Um, so. Then we split up into our classrooms um, by grade levels and we watch a video that's usually kind of a funny little thing that depicts um, some little cartoon kids learning or doing something that has to do with the topic. And then we have a discussion about that. We read our lectionary text. We have a discussion about that. And then we kind of wrap it up and bring it all together. So one week in particular, I was teaching and, the, and we were teaching on the power, the, about the power of God and how God works through us. And so being an ORU grad, I was like, yes, talking about the power of God. Kids are going to get healed. This is going to be awesome. So 
in the video, it's depicting this little boy who his family had just got robbed and he was really scared. And he comes to church and he's in a, a safety suit. He has like pads and a helmet. And he's like, no one talk to me. The world is no, there's no good in the world. Everything is bad. I'm in my safety suit. And in my safety suit, I am safe. And he's like just really scared of the world because he's had something bad. And the kids end up talking to him and they're like, Gabe, no, like, look, this is actually why we're all here. And the other little kids are like, wait, why are we here? I've been wondering that. Like, why, do, why are we here? Can you tell me? And so then the other kid goes on and, is, and says, we're all here to take care of each other. We're here to remind each other that there's goodness in the world. And so, you know, the kid, of course, and take, he's like, all good. He's like, oh, okay, I don't need to be in my safety suit anymore. But then we're, we're talking about this in class. And kind of to my surprise, rather than just latching on to, oh, look, there is goodness in the world, everything's fine. When we kind of open discussion to let the kids talk and the kids start talking about a bunch of really bad things that had happened to them. And one kid in particular shared something really heavy that had gone on. And another kid raised their hand and was like, that almost the same thing happened to me too. And then another kid starts sharing something bad that happened to them. And the next thing you know, I'm sharing stuff bad that happened to me. And we are all having a conversation about all the worst things that have ever happened to us. And it was really interesting because the climate in the room was not like sad or depressed. It was the kids were almost excited. And you could tell that the, their demeanors went from like, yeah, I've kind of felt alone and I kind of wondered if God's with me because of these bad things to, oh, that happened to you too. And you made it through it. And then what happened next was so cool because the kids started then saying, hey, well, I listened to this song in the car with my mom and it really reminds me that God's with me. And hey, you know what? My friend actually prayed for me or, well, when I, this happened to me and I was really sad, like this is something that cheered me up. And then they started talking about how they came out of these hard times and giving suggestions to each other and comforting each other. And I was just blown away at not only seeing these kids hear the words, hear the point of the lesson, which is God can use you to bring goodness to the world. They didn't just hear it and walk away and forget it. They said, yeah, God can use me. And they did it right then and there, right in that moment, God was using them. They were being the family of God. They were being the church to one another in that moment without anyone telling them what to do. So I was telling my husband about this. I was so excited, you know, going, oh, this was such an amazing experience. So I'm telling my husband, Jason, about this, who Jason's not here, but you guys know he's like the coolest person ever. Um, and so I'm talking to him about this and how cool the experience was. And he's like, yeah, you know, I think that sometimes kids are ministering without even knowing that they are. And I'm like, yes, that is so true. And he's, I could tell he was going to go on to talk about like in what ways they're ministering to adults. And um, I'm like, okay, this is going to be so good. Like he's going to say something so good. And then he goes, you know, kids make adults like not sad. <laughs> and we both just started cracking up. But I was like, yeah, that's exactly it. That is exactly it. Kids do minister. They make each other, they make us like not sad. And so I think we over, this is me and Jason's word that we use during this conversation, which Mark said, like, when you have a, a master's degree in theology, the main like perk of it is that you get to make up words as long as they start with the word theo or end with ology. And so... 
the word I made up is theologize. So we try to overly theologize this thing that we're supposed to be doing here. Like, why are we here? And we as adults are like, oh man, we gotta figure it out. Like, why are we here? Why are we here? Well, we're here to make the world less sad. That's why we're here. And kids get it. We're here to be the righteousness of God. We're here to be the first fruits of his goodness. We're here to make the world like less sad. So how can we do this? Because we know as adults, it does feel more complicated than that at times. It's felt more complicated than that to me when I had my, one of my best friends who at 22 years old lost her 23-year-old husband to cancer. I didn't know how to make her world less sad. I didn't know how to bring goodness into her life. And that's where as adults, I think we get really bogged down by the not goodness that we see and the hurt that we feel. But the kingdom of God and the goodness of God, who does this belongs to? It belongs to children. So we think when it gets complicated, we think like a kid, all right? So we're gonna think like kids here. We're gonna figure this out. So when we talk about this kind of topic of bringing goodness into the world, this is what I do with the kiddos. I have them shout out good things that they like. So that's what we're gonna do. So you guys are gonna say out loud, I know this kind of weird, I wish I had candy to toss at you if, to bribe you to do it, but I don't. Maybe I could get some Bible bucks in here. It is Bible Bucks store day, so if you need to buy something, I should have brought some in. I don't know why I didn't. That would have been so good. Anyway, miss that opportunity. Um, so what we do is we shout out things that we like. So it can be anyway, anything. So I'll start. Disney World. Okay, who else has good things? What? Batman, we love Batman. Batman is so cool. He makes me so happy. What other good things are in the world? Babies. babies. Oh, who loves babies? Raise your hand if you love babies. Speaking of which, we have had probably more than three, but we have had three little babies born in like the last four weeks in this church, and they're like the cutest things ever. So if you want to like, yeah, you need to be, if you're not following uh, Haley on Instagram, uh, Brent Jansen's daughter, Haley Williams, or Kate Thompson, or Lisa Pano on Instagram, you're going to need to start following them because they have a lot of goodness on their Instagram feed. It'll make you very, very happy. Sorry, that was just a little plug for them. Anyway, um, what other good things? Babies? What else? Parties. What? Oh, soccer? Your dog. Oh my gosh, dogs bring so much happiness to the world. I love it. What about ice cream? Anybody like ice cream? Yes. Janice likes parties. Who likes pizza? Oh, I love pizza. Pizza makes me so happy. Oh, coffee. What else? Starbucks. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Taco Tuesday. You know what? Look, we could go on and on, and I see all your faces smiling, so it's working already. I can't even hear you guys. Guatemala. Yeah, I like it. Exactly, exactly. So as you can see, it is conversations like this simple things like this that help us to realize how much goodness there really is in the world. And what is our job? Our job is to care for each other in our distress by being reflections of this goodness, by being reflections of the goodness of God's wonderful kingdom and to spread that goodness all around. I think that this is why Jesus said that we must become like little children, because most of the time, little children get how to make the world less sad a lot better than we do. So much of doing the work of the Spirit is just simply acts of goodness or acts of kindness. 
especially in caring for those who are in need, like the scripture says, when we're, those who are in their distress. Doing good is not an ordinary thing. If we believe that all good things come from God, when we care for one another by doing good, we are fulfilling our calling as members of God's family. When you have an urge to say something nice to someone, that might just be the Spirit of God working in you. Caring for those in distress is the purest form of the faith we profess. Most of the time, being profoundly used by the Spirit might just look like noticing that your friend is sad and just taking them out for ice cream. But really, when we have this faith in Jesus, we're going to do those things. We're going to do good works. We're not going to hear these things and then walk away and forget. We're going to do what God has told us to do. We will be generous. We'll be kind. We'll be thankful. We'll be honest, loving. We'll care for those around us that are hurting and sad. We'll speak life to one another. When we claim to have this faith, this faith is going to manifest itself in, the wor in our works of love for our neighbors, both inside and outside the walls of the church, for adults, for children, for our youth, for the elderly. Our call as members of the family of God is to care for one another. Our call is not to care only for the people that we feel comfortable with, to bring goodness to those people who we like or who are the same age as us, the people that we know the best. Our call is to bring goodness to everyone in, that needs us, to everyone that needs us. I would like you to raise your hand if you have a kid in this church, if you have a child in this church. So all of these people, they need you. These are the people in need. They need me. We need each other to bring the goodness of the kingdom of God to each other. Raise your hand now if you don't have a kid in this church. Yes. Well, guess what? You need their kids. <laughs> their kids are incredible and the kingdom of God belongs to them. You need to get yourself around them. And I'm honestly not saying this because we need volunteers, which we do, but this message is not about volunteering. This message is about the fact that we need each other. The fact that the kingdom of God belongs to those kids that are back there. And you guys, the things that I've experienced, it is more powerful with the conversations I've had then with your kids, it is more powerful and a more beautiful display of what it means to be a part of the family of God than any ORU chapel, than any revival, than any Word of Faith camp meeting that my parents brought me to my whole life. <laughs> These kids are awesome. These kids in our church, they get it. They get how to make the world less sad. We're not called only to teach our children. We are called to be like them. We are called to welcome them. We are called to care for them. And they are called to care for us. Every one of us is a member of God's kingdom today. The family of God, it's an us, right? It is all of us caring for one another, being used by the Spirit, by bringing goodness, by being the hands and the feet of God. We are reflections of God for one another today, not later on in the future, but today. So let's care for one another, and let's all make the world, like, a little less sad. Yes. Thank you.